Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another 15-minute devotional. Thank you so much for joining me today. This is for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church or whoever wants to latch on and enjoy our content. My name is Melvin Gaines. We appreciate you being here today. Um, This program was created to encourage viewers and listeners to get into God's Word and stay in it with consistency as you learn and grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And today's content is going to be covering the daily reading for Wednesday, April the 26th, 2023. Wednesday, April 26th, 2023. And today we're going to be covering uh, the verses Leviticus chapter 20, verse 22 through chapter 21, verse 24. Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. Psalm 43, 5. And Proverbs 14, verses 5 and 6. So what you might have guessed is that we are covering these verses according to a two-year Bible plan. That's what our church endorses. Um, It allows for the reader to cover the entire Bible over a two-year period. And in our devotional, for the sake of continuity, we're going to read the passages for today and then make some verbal notes about the content as we go along. But when you use the two-year Bible plan, you would normally get about a seven to ten minute window of reading the Bible, reading the scriptures, as we just mentioned. And then you would follow that in the last five to eight minutes of your time for reflection and prayer over those readings. And that is the whole purpose of the 15 minute devotional. It takes about 15 minutes for you to be in the word uh, every day uh, with this plan and be in prayer at the same time and meditating on what you've already read. So we encourage all participants to follow that pattern, as recently mentioned here. And you're going to develop the best habits for reading. I I run into a lot of people who have scuffled with staying involved with Bible reading. But I think if you really take the Bible and divvy it up in such a manner where you're just going through the Word gradually every day, you're going to have a hunger for the Word even more as time goes on. The Spirit's going to speak to you that way. So... Please know that you can always read more than 10 minutes of the Bible every day. But this is a way to get started. This is a way to develop a, develop a very good routine, good habits. So let's go ahead and get started for today. And let's do so with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us to look at your word, study it, and reflect upon it. And we appreciate, Lord, all that you have done for us and what you reveal to us as we go and stay consistent in your word. And we thank you for your very presence as we go in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, everybody, let's turn our Bibles and electronic devices and get started with Leviticus chapter 20. Leviticus chapter 20. And let's start with verse 22. Remember, we're reading from Leviticus 20, verse 22, and then we're going to go through to uh, chapter 21, verse 24. So let's start with verse 22. All of the readings are going to be in the New Living Translation. So please follow along in your version. You must keep all my decrees and regulations by putting them into practice. Otherwise, the land to which I am bringing you as your new home will vomit you out. Verse 23, do not live according to the customs of the people I am driving out before you. It is because they do these shameful things that I detest them. But I have promised you, you will possess their land because I will give it to you as your possession, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God who has set you apart from all other people. 
You must therefore make a distinction between ceremonially clean and unclean animals and between clean and unclean birds. You must not defile yourselves by eating any unclean animal or bird or creature that scurries along the ground. I have identified them as being unclean for you. Verse 26. You must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart from all other people to be my very own. Men and women among you who act as mediums or consult the spirits of the dead must be put to death by stoning. They are guilty of a capital offense. Let's go to Leviticus 21, start at verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the priests, the descendants of Aaron. A priest must not make himself ceremonially unclean by touching the dead body of a relative. The only exceptions are his closest relatives, his father or mother, son or daughter, brother or virgin sister, who depends on him because she has no husband. But a priest must not defile himself and make himself unclean for someone who is related to him only by marriage. The priests must not shave their heads or trim their beards or cut their bodies. Verse 6, they must be set apart as holy to their God and must never bring shame on the name of God. They must be holy for they are the ones who present the special gifts to the Lord, gifts of food for their God. Priests may not marry a woman defiled by prostitution, and they may not marry a woman who is divorced from her husband, for the priests are set apart as holy to their God. You must treat them as holy because they offer up food to your God. You must consider them holy because I, the Lord, am holy and make you holy. Verse 9, if a priest's daughter defiles herself by becoming a prostitute, She also defiles her father's holiness, and she must be burned to death. The high high priest has the highest rank of all the priests. Pardon me. The anointing oil has been poured on his head, and he has been ordained to wear the priestly garments. He must never leave his hair uncombed or tear his clothing. He must not defile himself by going near a dead body. He may not make himself ceremonially unclean, even for his father or mother. Verse 12, he must not defile the sanctuary of his God by leaving it to attend to a dead person where he has been made holy by the anointing oil of his God. I am the Lord. The high priest may marry only a virgin. He may not marry a widow, a woman who is divorced, or a woman who has defiled herself by prostitution. She must be a virgin from his own clan so that he will not dishonor his descendants among his clan, for I am the Lord who makes him holy. Verse 16, Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to Aaron. In all future generations, none of your descendants who has any defect will qualify to offer food to his God. No one who has a defect qualifies, whether he is blind, lame, disfigured, deformed, or has a broken foot or arm, or is hunchbacked or dwarfed, or has a defective eye, or skin sores, or scabs, or damaged testicles. Verse 21, No descendant of Aaron who has a defect may approach the altar to present special gifts to the Lord. Since he has a defect, he may not approach the altar to offer food. Offer food. Let me read that again. Verse 20, 
There it is. All to offer food to his God. Sorry about that. Verse 22. However, he may eat from the food offered to God, including the holy offerings and the most holy offerings. Yet because of his physical defect, he may not enter the room behind the inner curtain of or uh, or approach the altar, for this would defile my holy places. I am the Lord who makes them holy. So Moses gave these instructions to Aaron and his sons and to all the Israelites. Okay, that is all of Leviticus chapter 20, verses 22 through Leviticus 21, 24, which was essentially all of uh, the remainder of that was all of Leviticus chapter 21. And as you can see from this reading, and, and you look at the, some of the words that are used here by the Lord, and some of us would probably deem them to be quite harsh. And the reason why we probably would lean, uh, yield to those as being harsh is because of the end result of some of these things. We, we're talking about death for the, the person who's a prostitute. We're talking about uh, death to the one who practices divination. You have to understand something. When God calls himself holy, and that's what he's doing here throughout this passage, and he's establishing essentially the rules for Aaron and Moses to communicate to the people and for Aaron to follow that what they're doing is a very special, set-apart thing when it comes to who can come before the Lord, who can make a presentation of the various gifts uh, that are taking place. And that's what we have to recognize here. The Lord has standards that are must be practiced and put into place. Uh, otherwise, uh, you're, you're defiling the temple, you're defiling... You're not honoring the Lord the way he would have you to. These are all things that are coming across here in this communication. And he says it again in verse 24 of Leviticus 20. I am the Lord your God who has set you apart from all other people. So there's a standard that is being maintained, being set apart. Um, and, and that's what we have to recognize here. Um, that is what the standard is, and he is communicating this standard. So anything with a defect, anything of the sort should not be the one to either present any gifts to the Lord or anything on the altar or anything with a defect should not be presented. And even the priests themselves, they have a standard they have to upkeep in their, uh, the way they operate, the way they live, the way they recognize their calling to be priests. God has called them to be priests because that's what he had designated for the Levi clan to do. And they have a standard that they have to live by. Rest assured we as people or men, um, mankind, we will diminish those standards if it's in any way uh, akin to our flesh. And that's why we have to look at what God is saying here and recognize that he is giving us what the standard is. He's telling us what needs to happen. And anybody who's even called for service for the Lord and even called to serve in a church, there are, there are things that those individuals have to have to maintain a standard to reflect the fact that they are indeed set apart for service for the Lord. They have to live a certain way. That's why we have the qualifications. Who's to be a pastor? Who's to be an elder? And, and those standards have to be met. And the word is very clear about that. And when we start to change definitions for our own good, we're not living according to the standard that God had put forth. So that is the takeaway I have of that passage. And you're welcome to go back and read that passage on your own and and look at those things but those are the things that jump out at me the lord has a standard and and we need to find a way to make sure that we are living in such a manner where everything that comes near him 
anything that has to do with him, anything that has to do with how we even prepare our services, what we do, we have to live in such a manner where we are honoring him with what we do and not dishonoring him. And not everybody can be the ones to to serve him. It has to be the people who are called. And I think that that's what we have to look at here when it comes to service in a church or service um, before people, leading a congregation, very, very big responsibility. And, and that's what comes to mind here. Okay, let's move over. And just to keep our time uh, honest here, Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. And this indeed is going to be uh, the passage. This literally follows the transfiguration. So this is the next passage when um, these disciples went back uh, down from where they were on the on the uh, on the mount, and they went and returned. So let's read that verse 14, Mark chapter 9, verse 14. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about? Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, "Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him." He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion and he fell to the ground writhing and foaming at the mouth how long has this been happening Jesus asked the boy's father he replied since he was a little boy the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him have mercy on us and help us if you can verse 23 what do you mean if I can Jesus asked anything is possible if a person believes remember that Verse 24, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Amen. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Verse 26, then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet. And he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, Why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, This kind can be cast out only by prayer. And I believe there are other manuscripts that will say fasting and prayer. But in this particular passage in the NLT, it says, can be cast out only by prayer. And what we have to understand here is that, of course, we see how Jesus, this is towards the end of his ministry because this is coming up, like I said, right after the transfiguration. And Mark has a way of succinctly uh, putting information down for us to look at. He doesn't get into a whole lot of uh, dramatization. He just speaks out what's 
what he's been uh, called to speak by the Spirit. But he was very specific here about what he was looking at. We were looking at the fact that this is an unclean spirit, and he was actually, for the benefit of the crowd, okay, for the benefit of those who are onlookers, asking questions about what was happening with this little boy and for them to be very clear as to what was taking place. Because Jesus already knows all of these things, right? You have to understand that this is how he is uh, performing his ministry. He wants people to be recognizing exactly what is taking place here and and even makes a statement challenging um, the, the father of the child. Um, what do you mean if I can? Uh, like you mentioned back in verse 23, anything is possible for a person believes. He is putting into practice the importance of us having faith and being prayerful in all situations. And we have to believe that Jesus indeed is more powerful than anything else that's out there, including evil spirits, including demons, whatever it is. He's giving us this information to recognize that he has more power than demons. He has more power than evil spirits. They will do what he tells them to do. But we have to have the faith and be prayerful when these things are taking place, when we're talking about healings or we're talking about anything of the sort. We, the disciples, asked the question, why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? Jesus replied, this kind can be cast out only by prayer, which means there has to be a fervent prayer. This, this child was possessed from a very young age by a demon. And it was the demon's aim to try to destroy the boy. But notice how the demon was unsuccessful in doing that because you have to understand something. God is in control over all things that take place. And if there is a testimony to be made for that little boy to live as long as he did to be rescued from this demon by Jesus, what a testimony that is. People need to see and understand that that's how Jesus always operates. He challenges us with our faith. He challenges us with our prayer life. This is one of the very reasons why we're doing this particular uh, session, this study, doing a devotional, where a lot of people aren't praying, they aren't really studying the Bible, they aren't really looking at what Scripture says. And so when difficulty comes, they're at a loss on what to do. Well, Jesus is teaching us right here exactly what we should be doing when there's difficulty. We need to be prayerful. We need to be fasting. We need to be looking to him, looking to Jesus for relief uh, in these situations. And so many times we don't really pray for peace or pray for the things that we should. When in fact, that's exactly what Jesus is here for. He says that he is the one whose his burden is easy. His yoke is light. We don't want to take him up on it. We, he tells us that uh, he is the one who gives us peace he is the one where we are cast our cares upon him because he cares about us but we don't do those things and that's exactly what he's trying to teach us here in this particular passage and i hope that you get that and look at that more on your own let's go to psalm chapter 43 psalm 43 verse 5 in this particular section of the psalms um, this is where the heading in that particular section, verses 1 through 5, it says, Send out your light and your truth. And that's talking about um, the truth of Jesus. Amen? The truth of God when we're looking at this. Verse 5, that's the only reading for today. Psalm 43, verse 5 in the Psalms. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? 
I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. That should be a lifestyle for us. Why get discouraged? Why be sad? Don't let the problems of the world overburden you or burden you to a degree where you're downcast. You put your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. You put your hope in God. You give him praise for what he's done for you. And if you really think very hard about this, there are a a lot of things that we just seem to forget about sometimes on what God has done for us. Amen? One more passage, Proverbs 14, verses 5 and 6. Proverbs 14, verses 5 and 6. An honest witness does not lie. A false witness breathes lies. A mocker seeks wisdom and never finds it, but knowledge comes easily to those with understanding. And this really is a statement that's really true to life, where you have to understand that honesty is always the best policy. There are people who would much rather tell a lie or bear false witness because perhaps it gets them attention uh, in, a, in a way that really is short term. But we need people who are honest and trustworthy to step forward. We need people who are uh, not looking to do anything other than uh, just cause trouble. We need to avoid people like that. We want to make, make sure we have people in our lives that um, are trustworthy and honest and forthcoming. Uh, a mocker seeks wisdom and never finds it. That's right, because wisdom is something that, um, frankly, sometimes you have to go after wisdom, but people who would rather go their own way and live in the flesh would mock those who want to have wisdom. Knowledge comes easily to those with understanding. We have to trust that as we pray, as we seek the Lord, and he gives us good information to live on, that we trust and follow his advice. And that's exactly how we should live. Amen. Okay, that is today's reading for the in the two-year Bible plan for uh, Wednesday, April 26th. We hope that you enjoyed this. Please make sure that you're staying focused on the Word each time. And uh, we just thank you for that. Let's close out in prayer. Father, we ask that you bless this time once again, and we thank you for your very presence. Bless us and keep us, Lord, and we just thank you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Take care of yourselves, and we will see you next time.